You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join in the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Real Presence Radio Live. You're listening to Father Randall Kiesel here broadcasting from the Church of St. Michael in Pine Island, Minnesota. Glad you're with us. We have now our segment called Straight Talk, where you can call in to RPR or send an email or or communicate to RPR to give a question or ask a question, and I'll do my best to answer it. And our good Lord, it can be glorified in such things that we can... uh, know his will better through knowing our faith better and we have one question already that's come in and it is on how can we foster devotion to one's guardian angel Uh, that's a great question and certainly appropriate to our topic so far today we had the great interview with oscar delgado and on the movie saint michael movie uh dot com if you go to check out that for the release on that movie this coming thursday and so fostering devotion to one's guardian angel is a great question so i think one of the things about this is a, it's a matter of faith it's a truth of our faith we know this in scripture and it's been attested to uh throughout the teaching of the church all through the centuries the certitude that every soul is assigned a guardian angel by our creator our good lord who also created all the angels so the truth is, is it's akin to fostering devotion to our Blessed Mother and St. Joseph and ultimately to our good Lord himself, that the truth is that we have a guardian angel always with us. I call it practicing the presence of one's guardian angel. One can learn to interact with the, one's guardian angel, learn to listen to one's guardian angel, uh, generally through instructions or admonitions, corrections. Uh, one can also listen to the cautions of one's guardian angel. Uh, generally, it, it's it's a, a kind of instruction from a friend or from one who can see or prevent. Uh, the key in the devotion to one's guardian angel also is that God... Uh, has a desire to have an ordering to his communications uh, that at times he will instruct his guardian angel to communicate with us. And that is a a certitude that God does do that. He has a preference for that in some circumstances. We see that certainly in scripture with the archangel Gabriel being sent to the Virgin Mary to communicate with her and her humility receiving the angel and the message of God. We see that also with St. Joseph and the the archangel sent to him in a dream and communicating God's will regarding uh, receiving our Blessed Mother to his home as well as the instruction of taking care of of the the child Jesus and our blessed mother going into Egypt and then returning from Egypt. So the angels are messengers. They they send and deliver God's messages. We see that, of course, in the Old Testament as well. We see that uh, with the prophet Daniel uh, and various other ways. Uh, Ezekiel had the vision of the angels. Uh, We also see that in the Acts of the Apostles where the angel delivered Peter and there are various angelic encounters that are listed in all through sacred scripture. So Really, it's the practicing the presence of one's angel, the good angels, and they are ready to stand and help. And we can interact with them to ask for help. 
We can also ask them to pray. We can ask them to do or send various messages onward up to our Lord in heaven. Our Lord delights in this. Uh, and, and, and in no way do I want to diminish or, or suggest a diminishment of our own practice, say, of adoration of Jesus in the Eucharist or the prayer of the rosary or... Um, devotion to the Holy Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Trinity lives within us, we know by grace. Uh, But so many things that God wants to have us understand is that we are never alone. There's a whole created world that is invisible. Uh, Of course, God's not created, but he's created it so that to provide us the, the angels and giving us access to the saints through prayer and the life of the Holy Spirit. So we understand we're not alone that we also understand that we're on the winning team, and that's the team of love for God and his holy will, and that we also know that the powers of God are infinitely greater than the powers of evil. God only permits evil, and evil is going to be permitted uh, in, in, in this time in this world for a limited time, and God limits evil in the, the power the devil can uh, manifest. So the greater we are growing in faith in the invisible in what God has revealed about the invisible world and experiencing that through devotion and prayer and interaction according to God's plan, uh, the more we will know that we have a real and powerful friend. So one of the things we can develop into regarding our guardian angel as a perhaps a, an understanding of, of the, the depth to which that that relationship can take uh, is to know our guardian angels are certainly to protect us and to help us in a variety of things. But even more than that, they, they are also a, a loving friend. Uh, they have they burn with pure love for the Holy Trinity. They see the face of God con- constantly. And when their, their soul, to whom God has given them a charge or an assignment, is in the state of grace, they behold the love and the presence of God in the soul. And the, in that way, they help us to come to a greater knowledge of the presence of God, the, his infinite goodness that lives within in such a beautiful way through the state of grace and sanctifying grace in the, the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, when a soul is not in the state of grace, uh, the guardian angel will turn toward uh, Almighty God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and intercede and pray that the soul will either regain will will regain uh, the state of grace, the repentance and conversion, and the sacrament of confession. Ultimately, our guardian angels will lead us to do whatever uh, we need and whatever is possible uh, to influence us in our thinking and then our free will to go closer uh, to the Holy Trinity, closer to God. And oftentimes, we might be inspired to go to confession, and that can be a message from God through the angel to come, to be delivered from sin or to continue to grow through the forgiveness and mercy that our Lord wants us to experience in that personal relationship with God. There are a few things about the angels that we should know that they're, they do not uh, generally read our thoughts. We, we would need to share with them in a relationship and God uh, generally reserves our inner thoughts, our inner life to himself uh, so that he knows and sees everything plainly in our interior life. Uh, but we can interact with the angels and share that with them uh, so that they have a clear understanding of of our desires and our hopes and what we see that we need. And then they can also share, uh, in a sense, their thoughts so that we can continue to grow in the knowledge and love. And all of this, though, is according to God's will, what he desires and what he permits. Um, and what about uh, devotion to the archangels? Because the archangels have specific uh, uh, missions in, into re- interacting with the members of the human family, and especially the, the divine society, those in the church and baptized in the grace of the Holy Trinity. The archangel, St. Michael, his name, as we mentioned in the last uh, segment, his name means who is like unto God. 
And so that is the, the very question, the phrase, whereby Michael's name itself defeated the devil uh, because the devil had to admit and could no longer hold on to sinful pride but admit the truth. No one is like God. And so all that the devil conceived to aspire toward, to be equal to God, is shattered by the very name of Michael. Who is like unto God? And the evil spirits have to admit no one. The truth is victorious. And love for the truth then uh, gives great strength to the soul uh, with devotion to St. Michael, but also to the truth and love for God. No one, no one can decide for themselves what is right and wrong. And it's all in the judgment and the plan of God himself. And the St. Gabriel is the strength of God uh, to manifest the power of God in his holy will, that God's will is to be done, such as we pray in the Our Father, thy will be done. There's no will stronger nor superior to the will of God. Uh, he, his will is one, it is true, and it is all-powerful. So there's no one above God, no other will that has the strength of God other than only God himself is God and the strength and power. So St. Gabriel has a mission generally to express that, to deliver that news, and that's what happened to the Blessed Mother, that the power of God, the will of God, will to, to be the Word made flesh and to express his will through the sacred humanity of Jesus Christ and the second person of the Holy Trinity to give deliverance to the human family through faith in him and the obedience of faith, the love of Christ and following him as a disciple. And then the St. Raphael is God heals or the healing power of God. Uh, in a sense, I liken the St. Raphael to be the angel of God's people, that St. Raphael has a special mission to heal uh, what has gone wrong or to heal uh, various uh, infirmities, as we know in the book of Tobit, and, and to give deliverance to, to, for regarding various afflictions. So the, the Archangel Raphael has a special uh, along with all the other angels, the good angels, to, to foster healing in the, the minds and hearts and bodies of the faithful, wherever uh, God is wanting to manifest that or to give blessings and to give peace. So the, the whole world of the angels is a profound blessing to maintain and to grow into the knowledge and the love of the invisible world. Uh, so we got another question that comes in. This is a common question, uh, but it's one that's good to be clear about this. Is it okay to give your guardian angel a name? Uh, so our, our church teaches, and the authority of the church teaches, that uh, one should not give one's guardian angel a name uh, to which you will refer to them. Uh, so rather to understand that one's guardian angel has the name guardian angel. And there is an official teaching on this where the, where the church, the, the congregation of the doctrine of the faith, clarify to not do such a thing, to not uh, try to uh, name your angel. Uh, God has given your angel a name and he's given us sufficient knowledge of what we are to call them. Uh, and that is to, to guardian angel. And the, the guardian angel, angels have a... Uh, a specific mission where they're known by what they do in the service of God. And so the guardian angel is just that, a guard and a protector, as well as a great friend. And so the advice that I would give on this is to think of your guardian angel as guardian angel. Uh, I also encourage people to not try to approach their guardian angel to ask them for their name, to not have that kind of a, of a sense, but to not let yourself be curious about such a thing, but to surrender uh, oneself to what God prefers, that, that he desires that we should understand our guardian angel as being guardian angel, and to refer to them in such a way, to have a kind of limit on one's intellectual uh, curiosity in that relationship. Uh, the angel will, uh, one's guardian angel will give that sufficient knowledge in relation, uh, interacting with them, that we realize, I don't there, there, is, there is nothing to that curiosity that is helpful regarding the plan of salvation, only that they are assigned by God. And they prefer to have that, 
general sense uh, because they, they know it's all about God. And all that the angels do are to foster our relationship with God because he is the Savior. They serve the King. The angels serve the Savior. And they want us to do the same as them. They want us to imitate them, to have a living faith, and to choose to follow them in the behavior that they manifest. Profound love for God a desire for his glory, a desire to win souls and to have victories in spiritual choices and the spiritual combat for the love of God and his glory. So that's what the angels are all about, 100% pure in their will in the direction of God. And so another question come in. It's a great question, so keep them coming, everybody. What happens to our guardian angels after we die? Do we meet them in heaven? Uh, yes, there is a teaching on this that... Um, you know, so if, if the soul, for example, at the, there's four last things, of course, when a soul dies, there's uh, death, judgment, heaven, or hell. So we're talking of a, of a soul then that will uh, be deemed by our Lord to be judged to enter heaven. And so there may be a stop in purgatory, uh, perhaps. And we ought to pray, of course, that, that our Lord will be so gracious to give the grace to go straight to heaven. We can certainly hope for that. Uh, but if the soul is in purgatory, the guardian angel is permitted by God, we be- piously believe, uh, that they may be able to console the soul in purgatory. And when, if the soul is in purgatory and the purification and atonement to God's justice is completed, uh, the guardian angel will introduce the soul into heaven before the entire heavenly court. And there is a joy that rings out. And the angel, the guardian angel, is overjoyed to have had the victory experienced for the human soul that, to which they had been charged. And there, there is a profound happiness uh, regarding uh, the angel. And yes, of course, then, then the, there is a kind of spiritual sight, we piously believe, the, that the human soul can see and perceive uh, a kind of the, the angelic soul and before God, uh, just as we have this understanding that the soul comes before God and God reveals his face uh, and his glory, his love, his beauty, uh, and that the eternal joy is to um, be fed by God himself and to live in that intimate relationship of union with God. So, there, yeah, the, so the relationship with the guardian angel would take on a little different practice, uh, maybe a more significant different practice, I would say, uh, in the glory of heaven. Uh, so, the, but the angel, the guardian angel, has certainly has a role in that, and perhaps even other angels. So, if we have a particular devotion to Saint Michael, our guardian angel may be joined by certain other angels that we know of, uh, who will also rejoice because of our devotion and fostering relationship with them. Uh, another question, um, why are there different ranks of choirs of angels and are some more powerful than others? Uh, hey, that is a great question. I think we're going to reserve a little bit of those details for Father Wolfgang. He's the expert on that. He uh, is a priest of the Opus Sanctorum Angelorum. So I'm going to save the big parts of that for him to describe and to teach us about the angels. He is a, a great expert on that uh, out of Carrollton, Ohio. And and it, but I will say there are nine choirs of angels, and each of the nine are divided into th- uh, three groups of three. And I'm going to ask Father uh, Wolfgang that question. We get into it a little later. And uh, good questions keep coming. At Fatima, the children saw the guardian angel at Portugal. Does each country have a guardian angel? And yes, uh, the answer to that is there. There are angels assigned to to uh, municipalities that are cities. Angels assigned. <coughs> angels are assigned to countries. Uh, angels are assigned to various roles 
to assist with the governance of human activity and to seek and foster peace. And there's peace comes, true peace comes in only one way. Uh, very simply, it is living in God's will. Uh, peace comes in doing and being what God wants and according or, or uh, bringing oneself in accord with the purposes and plans of God and having God be first. So the, the, these guardian angels are seeking to have that happen. And to the extent that human hearts and minds individually and then collectively together uh, are converted or are willing to cooperate with God's divine plan, will there be the manifestation of uh, that peace that comes only from Christ. And the angels have that responsibility, that mission, to try to foster and preserve, uh, wherever possible, uh, human freedom oriented toward uh, God's love, God's will, and uh, his designs for the human family. Ultimately, everything happens according to God's will, whether someone realizes it or not. He permits various things, uh, but even even the, the demons and the, the fallen spirits, the devil, uh, they give glory to God, and, and God only permits evil, and he's going to bring good out of it for his elect, and so that everything works according to God's plan for his glory and the salvation of his elect. So e- each country has the guardian, a guardian angel or kind of angel that seeks to have the ordering of God's will. That's a great question. A lot of great questions here. Um, another one has come in. I have heard people say, if I fall asleep when I'm saying the rosary, I've heard this one before, if I'm falling asleep saying the rosary or other prayers, then my guardian angel finishes them for me. Is this true or is it just a nice thought? Uh, well, it's a good question. So I'm. some of this is a matter of opinion, but it's a, it's also a matter of, of a pious hope. Uh, so it, it might be likened to something we do in the natural world. So uh, let's say maybe you're, you, you have a, a partner or a friend, you're working on a project, and you agree that you're going to finish this project, and you endeavor to undertake whatever work that is. You know, let's just maybe say you're, you're going you're gonna to build a house, and you agree you're going to see this through, and you start the activity. And let's say you, then you become, uh, for some reason or other, incapacitated. Maybe you sprain your ankle or, you know, have a, a little accident or something in doing it, but then your friend says, I'll finish it for you. And you, you, the work gets finished and the project is completed. So I tend on the side of saying, like, if you endeavor to glorify God and you have a partnership with your guardian angel, your friend, who is your friend, and your guardian angel will pray with you, and you, you ask your guardian angel to finish the, the prayer um, uh, with you, uh, we can believe the guardian angel will do so and will be your representative before God to finish that prayer. Now, the one caution I would give on that is that, you know, we, we have a fallen human nature and we can tend toward, you know, letting ourselves go to a more minimalist uh, effort. So we, we, we cannot regularly just say, well, I'm going to, I'm really tired. I'm just going to say maybe one Hail Mary and you just finish the rosary. And we start doing that habitually. You know, your guardian angel is not going to prefer that. And so that, that's a more minimalist, more self-centered. Uh, we, we, we are obligated to try to find that time where we can truly pray the rosary or truly uh, have our prayers 
uh, be a part of our life and make that appropriate time for it to be and to happen. So it's a, it, we don't, t- in a sense, let ourselves take advantage of our guardian angel in the wrongful way or a selfish way. Our guardian angel really wants us to grow in love. Uh, he wants us to grow in our capacity. And our growing our capacity to receive God and to love God uh, requires some exertion and some resolve and resolutions uh, whereby we're dedicating ourselves more and more to God and to the interior life and growth in that interior life. So our guardian angel will very likely challenge us if he perceives or understands uh, that you know, it's a nice idea that I'll help you finish your prayers. I'm happy to do that at times. Uh, but you, you also must be resolved to continue to grow and to have a have a, the interior life that is beneficial for loving God more. So that's a great question, though. Um, another question. In the Bible, some of the angels sound very strange or even scary in appearance. Yes, it's true. Why do we depict them as little babies or robed young people with wings? Well, that's a good question. Uh, and perhaps uh, it... Uh, my own opinion, again, this is not. There's no official teaching on this. My own opinion is that uh, there is a there is a a desire that God has that we not be afraid of the angelic creatures because we know in Scripture that when angels have manifested, they are awesome. They are awe inspiring. And when God has manifested at different times, uh, there is a profound reverence, uh, including remember one of the ways in which we learn about this is in the Exodus. We remember how God taught. Um, uh, the people through Moses and in his own messages that there there is to be a kind of holy fear in his presence, uh, a holy reverence. And, and this happened also when our Lord appeared after his resurrection, uh, the amazing signs. And it is also a sign of this uh, regarding his sacred humanity, the transfiguration, that, that when our Lord manifests his true divine being and his power, uh, that it, it is so awe-inspiring. And we also see that in the garden when our Lord was arrested, you know, um, and Jesus said, I am, and everyone fell to their faces uh, in the garden just before he was arrested, those, those immediate moments. that the, when, when the divine power of God manifests, uh, there is an a, a, a automatic and, and a seemingly even an instinctive response that we would have. I must bow my head. I must bend my knee. I must go to reverence the all-powerful, eternal God. And so the angels lead us and they help us to understand this. So, but there is a desire for God for us to not have so much fear, a servile human fear, uh, that we will fail in our interior resolve to approach God or to be open to the angels. So children or depicting children or depicting angels as like a, a cherub that's a child, uh, in a sense, disarms the strength of possible servile human fear because children are very sweet or are have that uh, simplicity to them where there's this openness, this friendliness or, or a smile. Uh, but of course, the, the con on that or the negative side of that is we can begin to think angels are these, um, you know, f- fluffy, you know, not very strong, you know, it's like they're, they're just soft. And it's like, that's not angels. That's certainly not St. Michael. That's not any of the angels. The angels are, are powerful creatures. They are filled with zeal and love for God, determination of will. They are active. Uh, they, they have intelligence that far exceeds our human abilities, and they have the possibility of helping us in, in rational ways as well as in strength of will so that we can truly go closer to God. So there are some aspects of positives for angels being depicted in that way, but there's also uh, some limitations if that's our only imagery of angels or understanding of the truth of, about their being and how they will to interact with us and what to do. So great question, though. 
so now the questions come in. Great questions, everybody. Why do we say the St. Michael prayer at the end of the, the Holy Mass? It's very good. And, and it, you know, I grant it, in, in some places this may be happening, in some places it may not be happening, uh, but there is a growing uh, desire among the faithful and uh, in some dioceses uh, among the clergy and the, the bishops to have the St. Michael prayer uh, be offered at the end of all Masses. And the, the reason for that is similar to what we discussed in the last segment with the spiritual battle that's taking place. And namely, the spiritual battle has to do with the salvation of souls and the truth that the devil exists. But we have warrior friends, helper friends, led by St. Michael, who stand ready to help us. And St. Offering the St. Michael prayer at the end of the Mass as a way to remind us and to practice the desire to have these angels to help us. The St. Michael prayer was written uh, by uh, Pope Leo XIII near the end of the uh, um, uh, 1890s, and he had, as we understand, a vision of the, the church being permitted by our Lord to experience an attack from the evil spirits. And the Pope then inspired, willed to write. Uh, a prayer in honor of St. Michael, God's angel, uh, the one who defends the glory of God and is zealous uh, for uh, the Lord and his plan. And so that he ordered that to be said at the end of every low mass uh, uh, at the time and to be extended. And so um, some few decades ago that practice, uh, it was not uh, invoked to be necessary to happen. So now it is more voluntary uh, that people might say the prayer or the pastors might lead the prayer or sometimes an individual diocese, the bishop desires or asks his priest to lead that prayer at the end of Holy Mass. So you might find places where it is done or not done. But the main idea is to continue to invoke God to aid the church through St. Michael the Archangel and all the good angels uh, led by St. Michael and also to give us a reminder uh, we, we have a kind of spiritual combat that is taking place in our midst and, and we are to be ready participants in that. Great question. Another question, is it wrong to choose a career wherein you know you won't have access to the sacraments for weeks or months at a time, such as fishing boats, oil fields, etc.? Well, that's a good question. Uh, it's not... Um, not necessarily an easy question to that, so a little change of pace here regarding the choice of a career. And I might say, you know, certainly if you're going to go on fishing boats and, and uh, perhaps dangerous activities, you want to ask to help the angels for protection. Uh, but nonetheless, it, the one, one uh, must first be concerned of the first thing, to work out one's salvation in relationship with God. And so if that is your first ideal, what is God's will, uh, that one wants to then think, is this occupation going to help me to, be, to grow unto salvation? So there are certain careers then or activities where you realize, you know, I should rule that out if my first focus is to have assurance that I'm on the path to heaven. The, the best thing to do regarding choosing a career and which direction to go as far as work activity is to ask God, where do you desire me? And there have been people who have who have had risky sorts of careers and, you know, such as Columbus or whatever, you know, taking risks, but it was part of God's plan. Great questions, everybody. Stay with us. We'll be right back here on Real Presence Radio right after the break. <laughs> 